All right, time to confess. The call to confession. Who made New Year's resolutions? All right, I want to hear what they are. Only one person in the entire congregation made New Year's I don't believe it. What was your New Year's resolution, Lauren? I want to learn how to swim better. Swim better? Okay, nice. I like that. Someone else? Okay, Crystal. I want to learn how to make gourmet food. Okay, learn how to make gourmet food. Okay. So, I bring chips and salsa, so <laughs> prob prob probably not the guy to talk to. Gary. Yes, I resolve to put 2018 behind me as far as I can. Okay. <laughs> okay, that's a resolution. Anybody else? Resolution, New Year's resolutions. No diets? I'm shocked. No? Okay. That's it. You're, I can see the smiles on your faces. I don't want to admit it. So New Year's resolutions are always kind of funny to me. Um, mostly because we don't do very well with them. But that's part of what the sermon is about. Today again, I want to remind you that today is Epiphany. Epiphany Sunday. Epiphany literally means manifestation. Manifestation. It's celebrated on January 6th every year. It's 12 days after Christmas. If you've heard of the song, The 12 Days of Christmas, those are the days after Christmas, not the days before Christmas. And those are the days between Christmas and Epiphany, December 25th and January 6th. Uh, Epiphany celebrates Christ's manifestation. Manifestation, there's that word. Manifestation to whom? The Gentiles. Christmas, the shepherd showed up, they were all Jews. On Epiphany Sunday, the Gentiles showed up. The Magi, the three kings, however we want to say it. Were there three of them? We don't know. <laughs> we know they brought three gifts, and we know that it's plural, but it never says the number of Magi. They were wise men, I think the best word is magi. We, we get the word magic from. Which, by the way, Friday night I went to the Magic Castle. Anybody been there? The place is awesome. If you haven't gone, you should go, for sure. It's all magic. It's really cool. You go to different rooms and they do magic and it's really cool. And they're funny and that wasn't in my notes. Let me get back to my notes. <laughs> so, quick question. How far did the magi travel? Far. Excellent answer. From the east. Yeah, we don't really know. It says they came from the east, and from the east uh, to an ancient Israelite could be Arabia, it could be Syria, it could be anywhere in Mesopotamia. It was a pretty big area, so they could have come from anywhere. But calculating from how Herod responded, uh, Herod later had all the children two years and younger um, annihilated in Bethlehem, we figure they must have taken a little time. Uh, so around maybe 400 miles. So um, 
So that's not that far, right? That's like between here and San Francisco. You could do that in a day, right? Um, yeah, maybe not on Camelback, right? So you're on Camelback or you're walking, you're in a caravan. It would have taken a few months to get there. Um, now, I love a good story, but what I've noticed in more recent books, um, when I was in high school, I read J.R.R. Tolkien, Lord of the Rings, three volumes, The Hobbit, 500 pages, and there were times where you were reading and it was pretty laborious reading. I, I remember the first 100 pages of The Lord of the Rings going, oh my gosh, when is this gonna start getting exciting? <laughs> I was dying. More recently I read J.K. Rowling's Harry Potter series. There's none of that in there. It's just action, 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 constant, always on the move. And it, we've changed our appreciation of how long things take. Movies, bingo, bingo, bingo. There's no, you know, we don't watch movies like Lawrence of Arabia anymore, where they're just literally, they're on camelback and they're showing long scenes of people riding on camelback across the desert. We just don't do that anymore. People won't put up with it. They won't stay, their bottoms get tired and they move, they leave. They don't pay to go to see those movies. There's so much action. I mean, think about it. The Karate Kid became a black belt in 10 minutes. <laughs> It was amazing, you know, it just happened. You, wax on, oh, you're a black belt, there you go. Wax off. Um, so, so we kind of lose sight of the fact that the Magi took a long time to get there. They weren't quite sure where we're, they were going. Um, they didn't just see the star and jump on Elon Musk's Hyperloop and got there. They had to travel and they didn't have GPS, so they probably traveled at night to follow the stars. Um, that seems to be the indication, and that would have taken even longer, because when you're traveling at night, you don't really see the topography of things. And they were men, so they didn't ask for directions. So, <laughs> did you hear about that? The BMW had to recall all their cars back in 2015 because the GPS was a female voice and men, the German men wouldn't. <laughs> what? Just kidding, just kidding. Um, so, and then they got to Jerusalem and they did a, what would be normal, a courtesy call to the King Herod. And they probably thought, this is the newborn king. So he's born in the castle, I would guess. So they go to the castle and, and Herod's like, I have no idea what you're talking about. They're like, what? <laughs> newborn king, you don't know? So then he sends him off to, to Bethlehem. Um, the thing is, they didn't start the journey and go, half hour into it and go, oh my gosh, this is way longer than I thought it was. This is, you know, this is not as fun as I thought it was. Um, they didn't have people along the way going, you're going, you're following a star? Um, do you have any idea where you're going? No, not really. Wow, okay. <laughs> Whatever, good luck on that. Um, they didn't have people doing that. Um, so that kind of brings us back to New Year's resolutions, right? I think one of the reasons nobody wants to admit that they made a New Year's resolution is because it's January 6th and they've already broken their diet plan. <laughs> We're only six days in. <laughs> I, I tell you, I can't stand going to the gym the first two weeks of January. It's awful. There's so many strangers in there using my equipment. Um, and it's just frustrating to me. They're all gone by the end of January. It's not a big deal, it's just a couple weeks where it's just trouble, but 
Uh, it drives me crazy. So the Magi kind of made this resolution, we're going to follow this star, we're going to go see what this is about, and they didn't give up. They kept at it. Uh, and this gets me to the sermon title, Ordinary and the Big Dream. And this sermon title comes from a book by Bruce Wilkinson called The Dream Giver. Now, some of us remember Bruce Wilkinson. He was the one that wrote The Prayer of Jabez. Uh, and many of us got very into that book 20 years ago. So this is his newest book, The Dream Giver. And because she is such an awesome reader, I have invited Nancy Pugh to read the first chapter of this book. You're on. I, I'm inviting you now. I should explain a little bit. Uh, the place these people live is called the Land of Familiar. Our main character is Ordinary. The regular people are called Nobodies. And the Dreamers are called Dreamers. Not long ago, and far, not far away, a nobody named Ordinary lived in the Land of Familiar. Every day was pretty much the same for Ordinary. In the mornings, he got up and went to his usual job. After work, he ate almost the same dinner he'd eaten the night before. Then he sat in his recliner and watched the box that mesmerized most nobodies on most nights. Sometimes his best friend came over to join Ordinary in front of the box. Sometimes Ordinary went over to his parents and they watched together. For the most part, not much happened in Familiar that had not happened before. Ordinary thought he was content. He found the routines reliable. He blended in with the crowd, and mostly, he wanted only what he had. Until one day, Ordinary noticed a small, nagging feeling that something big was missing from his life. Or maybe the feeling was that he was missing from something big. He wasn't sure. The little feeling grew, and even though nobody's unfamiliar didn't generally expect the unexpected, Ordinary began to wish for it. Time passed. Then one morning, Ordinary woke up, and these words were echoing in his mind. What you're missing, you already have. Could it be? Ordinary looked and looked, and then he discovered that in a small corner of his heart lay a big dream. The big dream told him that he, a nobody, was made to be a somebody and destined to achieve great things. Jumping out of bed, Ordinary discovered something else, a long white feather resting on the sill of his window. Where did it come from? What did it mean? With a jolt of excitement, Ordinary decided he'd been visited by the dream giver. Now, Ordinary had learned or heard rumors of various nobodies in Familiar, waking up to a big dream. But he had never imagined that it could happen to him. He rushed to get dressed, his big dream beating brightly in his chest, he couldn't wait to get his usual job and tell his best friend the news. But on his way to work, Ordinary realized he had a big problem. His big dream was too big for a nobody like Ordinary. He would be embarrassed to tell anyone. Even best friend would probably laugh. Still, Ordinary was too excited to keep his dream to himself. As soon as he saw his best friend, he blurted out the news. The dream giver gave me a big dream. I was made to be somebody and destined to achieve great things. Best friend looked at him, surprised, but he didn't laugh. 
Oh, that's very big, he said. But if I were you, I wouldn't talk about this dream of yours to too much. Nobody's around here might take you for a fool. Ordinary didn't want to look like a fool, so after that he kept his big dream to himself. Day after day, Ordinary showed up at his usual job. But while he worked, he thought about his dream. He thought about how wonderful it would be to do what he would love to do instead of just dreaming about it. Ordinary's longing for his big dream grew and grew until finally he realized that he'd never be happy unless he would pursue it. Why didn't the dream giver make it possible? If the dream giver didn't, how could Ordinary ever leave familiar? He had payments, he had expenses, he had people that depended on him for things, he had regular duties. Ordinary felt completely stuck. Time passed, but nothing changed. He began to hate his usual job. This is not what I was made for. He'd say to himself, I just know it. After a while, he began to worry that maybe he hadn't received a big dream at all. Maybe he just made it all up. And he grew sadder by the day. One evening after work, Ordinary went to his parents to watch the box. But their box was broken, so the house was very quiet. It was even more quiet because his mother was shopping at Familiar Foods. In the quietness, Ordinary started to think about his dream again. He looked over at his father, sitting in his recliner, staring at the single page of Nobody's News. Maybe he could help. Father, said Ordinary, I'm growing sadder by the day. I don't like my usual job anymore, in fact. I think I hate it. Father looked up. That's terrible. What happened? Before he could stop himself, Ordinary started talking about the dream giver and about his big dream. I was made to be a somebody and achieve great things, he said. And then when he told his father the name of the dream and he spoke, his voice trembled. He was sure that his father would laugh or call him a fool, but his father didn't. I'm not surprised to hear you say these things, he said. You're not, said Ordinary. No, said his father. You've had that dream since you were a little kid. Don't you remember? You used to build that same dream with sticks and mud out in front of this very house. Then Ordinary did remember. He always had had this dream. It was what he'd always wanted to do and what he'd always thought he'd be good at doing. His eyes filled with tears. Father. I think I was born to do this. Ordinary and his father sat together quietly. His father seemed to be remembering something. After a while, he asked, when you woke up to your big dream, son, did you happen to find a feather? How did you know? He asked. A long time ago, I woke up to a big dream, his father said, and it came with a long white feather. It was a wonderful dream. I kept the feather on my windowsill while I waited for a chance to pursue it. I waited and I waited and I waited, but it never seemed possible. One day I found the feather had just turned to dust. Of all the sad words Ordinary had ever heard, these were the saddest. Before he left that night, his father hugged him. Don't make the same mistake I did, son. You have to stay you don't have to stay a nobody. You can be a dreamer. Oop, lost my page. 
When Ordinary got home, he went straight to the window and picked up the long white feather. He turned it over carefully in his hands. He thought about his father and the dream he'd left behind. Then he had a surprising idea. Could it be that the dream giver gave every nobody a dream, but only some embraced their dreams and even fewer pursued them? The more he thought about it, the more he thought it just had to be true. One thing Ordinary did know for sure, he did not want to repeat his father's mistake. He wouldn't waste another day waiting for his dream to seem possible. He would find a way to pursue it. Time passed. Ordinary worked hard on his plan to begin his dream. He made hard choices. He made difficult changes. He even made big sacrifices. Finally, one morning, he was ready. Ordinary ran all the way to his usual job, his dream pounding hard in his chest. And as soon as he saw his best friend, Ordinary blurted out the news. Remember that big dream I told you about? I've decided to pursue it. Best friend looked concerned. You know as well as I do that nobodies who pursue their dreams leave familiar, he said. They set off like fools into the unknown in search of a place where, yes, yes, I know, and I can't wait to get started. But ordinary, that journey is anything but sensible or even safe. Why leave familiar? It's so comfortable here. And besides, you've always lived here. Best friend shook his head. Oh, I've all thought about that too, he said. But my big dream is too important and too wonderful to miss. Best friend shook his head. So you're going to become a dreamer, he said. I am a dreamer, answered Ordinary. Today I'm going to tell my boss that I'm leaving my usual job. Tomorrow I begin my journey. Hey, best friend added Ordinary eagerly, eagerly, you can have my recliner in my box. And with that, Ordinary walked away, humming a tune that he'd never heard before. Thank you, Nancy. So the idea here is that God gives us dreams. God gives us ideas and things that he places on our hearts, prepares us to do, and we get sidetracked in our life so easily. And uh, some of us may have known that since we were children, that God has shaped us for certain dreams and certain things to do. And I want to encourage you this week, as we start this new year, 2019, to pray. Pray for God to help you to understand the dreams that he has placed on your hearts, the God-given dreams uh, that he has placed on your hearts. Face the fears and the people that'll say, no, that's not a good idea. And I don't care how old you are or how young you are. God gives you dreams no matter your age. God gives you things that you can do that can be wonderful, big dreams. Um, face the fears that slow you down from your actions. Endure the difficulties and the tests. That's the thing. The wise men just kept going even though it got hard. Keep going. Don't give up. That's a big problem for a lot of us, right? We don't get to the end of January. Keep going, endurance. Um, and finally, surrender to God. Allow God uh, to guide you, to lead you, to give you those dreams, to um, fill your heart. Just as we pray that the Holy Spirit would be here, pray that God's Spirit would fill you so that you would have a sense of purpose. Fight the giants that stand between you and that purpose. 
and finally do everything to the glory of God, everything to bring glory to our Father in heaven. Let's pray. Loving God, I thank you for this story, this parable, really, um, that we have heard. And I just pray that you would begin to guide us and help us to recognize those dreams that we may have set aside, may have put back into a, a closet in our, in our lives and allow us to remember and to recognize the big dreams that you have for us and help us to follow those dreams, primarily following you. Guide us, Lord, as we follow you and see and understand our purpose here on earth. You have called us to do things uh, that are bring you glory that further your kingdom. Help us to recognize those, help us to embrace those, and help us to live those out in our lives. I pray uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit, Lord God. We pray these things in your name. Amen. Now I invite you to turn your bulletins, and we're going to uh, read the affirmation of mission together, and Bob's going to lead us in that. Please join me in the affirmation of mission found in your bulletins. Here at First Presbyterian Church, Santa Ana, we are seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth, lead children, men and women to a saving faith in Jesus Christ, unite with other believers in the fellowship of God's family, grow in our faith as disciples of Jesus, and serve as Christ's ambassadors in our community and throughout the world. As is stated in Proverbs 3, 9, honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Let us return to God the offerings of our life and the gifts of the earth. <laughs> 